following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Gonna be able to compose yourself now that I just dropped on you that I'm not much of a of a steak guy. You were that's about as I think as discombobulated as I've seen you out of anything know, I've ever said. Yeah, I don't even know what that even meant. <laughs> I mean, you're not a vegetarian, so no, I don't, I love meat. Love meat. I, I don't I don't my, understand. My liver has proven that I love meat, but no, the the steaks and the the big chops and all that's it's just not. It's weird. I don't know. I can't explain it. It just doesn't do anything for me. I love me a good burger, you know. Um, I love bacon. I you love like ham pork chops. Yeah. Yes. I love you like, ribs. You like a ham steak? I like ribs. Yeah. But steak just doesn't. I mean, I'll I'll eat it, but it's not like I don't get excited to go out and just go well, get I'm a steak. Well, I'm not saying you got to do home. a backflip, but like you, I'm not going to turn it down. You're not going to throw one on the grill. I'd I'd honestly rather cook a burger. Huh. It's just, I, I don't know. Like, you're, like, you're uh, something wrong with you. I mean, <laughs> you said to me, can, you can have a cheeseburger, you can have a T-bone. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? I don't even need utensils for that. <laughs> <laughs> that is the way we are going to start off this edition of the Intentional Foul. Back after uh, a week off, had some scheduling uh, issues with going to talk to some of the coaches for uh, for football well, uh, we, last I think, week. I think so. the break was kind of needed for for both of us we've been kind of going hard for a while and and, and you there said, wasn't a ton of right. stuff going on i mean said, i tried so. to make the roster out of what we were talking about and i barely was filling up a page uh for for some topics so we've we've gotten more out of less let's, you know we probably will go back to that this summer like we did last year oh, right. i mean last year was a little weird when it's pandemic, just baseball and nothing yeah, there's not a lot going on no we may do there's not maybe just twice a month we'll see so we got uh we have some ground to cover uh we'll talk the nfl next week is the nfl draft i'll talk to our man lauren see if we can get him on talk to talk some i listened stuff. to a little of his podcast today actually and? i was just curious to you know, with the draft coming yep. up, and it was, it was very good, but, man, he's in the weeds on some of this stuff. Of course he, he is. He's like, he's the, yes. oh, and he even said it in there. He's just like, I like to get into the nitty-gritty of these these prospects, and he's talking about, you know, lineman footwork on inside draws, and I'm like, okay, that's, I appreciate the work, but that's that's not me. I'm not that interested in football. Not, to know, the, well, know. even even with basketball, like if I I would never listen to that right on a basketball like podcast. that 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 hardcore no, deep little, into. It. I mean, and I'm much. I'm a football guy, but like you start talking about wingspan and you know stuff. Well, this uh, this offensive tackle's arms are a little shorter, so he might be moved into guard. Like I don't care. Can he block people and stay on his feet? Mm-hmm. Keep him in front of them. Great. That's I mean, really, just yeah. give me your assessment on that. Right. Does he take plays <laughs> off? Does he not? Some of that other stuff when you really start to get to and, and well, that he's got a he's got a six toe on his right foot, which <laughs> leads to him having a little bit better grip on his outside uh, outside tech. It's like, right. Come on, man. 
<laughs> no, I'm just I like I liked it though. Lauren, nope. Lauren does a good job. Yes, he does and, that's the Locked On yeah. Bears podcast. So we might get him. We had him on last year before the draft, so we might talk to him. Uh, coming I, need, up I got question. Bit. I need to know what the hell is going on down in Hallis Hall. I mean, he probably has no clue either because I'm not no, sure they he, do. He lives in Janesville. Well, he yeah, but I'm not sure they know. So probably not. I wonder if they but all. He's probably got his ear a little bit I'm sure closer it, to the streets than we. And do. he knows people yeah. that that are probably reporting regularly down there. So that 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 would be something that we could uh, do next week. Yeah. Um, I doubt I can get Wildy on just to talk Packer stuff, but next week I'll see if I can get him on on the actual radio station. Um, he 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 likes to give me about five six, seven minutes every year because he knows I'm a draft nerd. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so there's no affiliation, but he likes to jump on and, and hear me talk about some of these guys. But I am so far behind on on what the Packers need and who's out there. I mean, I'm looking at some of these mock drafts of, you know, state-run uh, media guys that they're putting out and some of the national guys in two-round, three-round full mock drafts, which you're not picking who they're going to take in the sixth or seventh round. Uh, right, you're right. just not. You, there's going to be trades right. and all kinds of. Weird it's just stuff not happening. Now. No, so but but I like to see what kind of positions they're targeting in what rounds and whether I've heard of some of these guys. And honestly, I'm really I haven't heard a whole lot about who some of these guys are that are being predicted for them. Um, the well, only positions that I can tell that they're going to go after is probably offensive tackle, cornerback, and wide receiver. Yeah, in the couple of mocks that I've been looking at the last few days, I've seen them in the first round being mocked into taking a wide out. Yes. Which, you know, I, I, st- I don't think they will. Just, just look at a history. Lo- uh, yeah. I, and take I, the wide out or take the field. I think that's the guy who's doing the mock saying that it's going to be like a mea culpa from them to pick a wide I just don't think the you, Packers are wired that way. I don't think that way. I think they're no. they, at that spot. You you know you typically just take best guy on the board, right? And what's that going to change if they take a wide? Oh, everything's okay now. Yeah, the kid I, I saw. You mean the, we don't have a quarterback the, in waiting now. The, the kid from Minnesota, uh, yeah, the wide out Rashad Bateman. Yeah, yeah, he was he was on a couple Packer mocks as, yeah. as going. I wouldn't mind him at all. They, you know, that's fine. Um, but I, again. but you know, again, and and it's the argument from last year's too. It's like you know, name me the last rookie wide receiver that really. I mean, Justin Jefferson had a really good year they last did. year, but didn't matter. So right, if you're on a bad team, then it doesn't. It doesn't. I don't, really I don't know that you're going to draft a guy that's going to come in for the Packers and catch 80 balls for 1,200 yards. Well, I think I saw that that same one, and and whoever said that it was Bateman was going to come in and immediately become their number two guy. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to just going to jump everybody I, yeah, else. Yeah, I don't and think just so. Go to go second to Devontae Adams. I'm like. Well, and then maybe if they don't re-sign Adams, maybe they'll maybe they will take a wide receiver top because they know they can't re-sign him because he's a free agent after this season. I don't know. Everybody's going to be cash strapped after this upcoming season, particularly the Packers. They just kicked all that money down the line. We talked about that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, what do you make? What do you make of all this, Rogers? Wanting quote unquote wanting out of Green Bay, I I heard. Um, so, you know, where are you getting that? Well, from? I I can't remember. I, I heard it on the radio the other day. I can't remember what show it was, but is it Jason Smith that works for Fox Sports? I believe he's a he's okay. a he's an insider, a football insider yeah. for them. He had something that he reported. I don't. I, I can't remember the exact verbiage if he was told this or whatnot, but it was basically Rogers wants out of Green Bay. They're not sure how they can pull it off. Um, he really wants to go. 
ideally he wants to be the quarterback for the 49ers because of this whole Jeopardy thing and him being back in California and dating a woman that's a Hollywood starlet. He wants to go home. And it was like, wow. you know, some kind of a a Garoppolo and the, what do they have, the third pick, yes. I think. Garoppolo and the third pick and other stuff for Rodgers. It would give the Packers a quarterback that can play right now while you're still waiting on love. On, on love. Now, the financial part, I don't know how all that would work. I, I don't know how the Packers could possibly try to sell that. I, I mean, unless Aaron Rodgers stood on the table and said, I don't want to play here anymore, I want to go. I just don't know how the Packers as an organization can sell that to the fan base. Well, it, I think you probably... And, and do you even believe that there's any kind of... I mean, no. look, where there's smoke, there's fire with the, some of this Rodgers stuff. Yes. And this him on the outs with the Packers has been floating around now for a couple of years. Well, I mean, it's clear the team did him no favors by drafting his heir apparent probably, you know, a year or two early. And so much so that, you know, it came right when he signed his extension, which further, you know, muddied the waters, I guess. And so now it's more like Green Bay's in the position of, when can we move on versus how long can we keep him playing at a high level? Like, that, that, that is reversed to me. You know, it, it should be the other way. Whereas, okay, we got this guy waiting. As soon as you start, you know, throwing 20 interceptions a year, you're gone. Well, that might not happen, so what are you going to do? You can't save face if you're the Packers organization unless your quarterback actually publicly himself comes out and says... I would like to be traded. And then if, to me, that's an easy out for Gutekunst. We've been planning this, it would seem to me, and seem to a lot of other people, with you able to get out of his contract after this coming season when you're, you, you take less of a hit. Well, now he's doing you a favor, helping you save face, and you grant his wish. You look like, okay, there you go. Are people going to connect the dots and say, "Well, you caused this anyway when you drafted Love, you know, two years ago, can, or whatever"? Can you trade the uh, the reigning MVP? And can you can you trade him right now? I don't think you should. Can you? Yes. Should you? No. I don't think so. But I mean, I, I mean, I almost think it's worse. If you come out, I mean, fans would love it if he stayed. But if he's pissed off and he's constantly you know, bitching and moaning to the media about, you know, the team doing a disservice. And I don't think he's going to do any of that because I think he's he's too smart for that. Um, and, and that's just not the way he, he operates. You're almost just dealing with this now constantly because you know the guy doesn't want to be here. Well, it's kind of, it, it has in a way morphed into the Favre issue 2.0. Of course it has. It, it, it's... You know, Favre was waffling on whether or not he was going to retire, and, and he and, wanted guys, and he wanted yeah, and he wanted guys, and he wanted certain things. Well, Rogers wants guys, and he wants certain things, and he's kind of, you know, in his passive aggressive way, kind of mm-hmm. throwing it out there, like I could be the full time Jeopardy host, maybe for ten or fifteen million a year. I'd be okay with that, you know. So. I don't know. I don't know what the Packers do. I mean, we've been talking about this now for a couple of months since the season ended because there's been so much talk about it. I, I still think at the end of the day, the financials probably t- 
just don't make sense to do anything now. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, by bringing back Aaron Jones and some of the other moves they made, I think they're indicating they still would like to make a Super Bowl run yes. this year. Yep. Um, I also just don't think they're going to trade him to an NFC team. I think that I think they would do what they did with Favre and make him go somewhere else for a year, and then it's up and to then them, it's yeah. up to you to find your way to where you want to go. Right. We're not going to put you. This ain't. It's the difference between the NFL and the NBA. In the NBA, the player James Harden can say, "I want to go to Brooklyn," and they can look around and go, "Yeah, but Brooklyn is maybe not that." No, I want to go to Brooklyn. Okay, and he ends up there. Right. Rogers can kick and scream all he wants that he wants to play for the 49ers. They could ship his ass to, I don't know. Tampa, when 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 Brady's gone and all those guys leaving or retired and they're rebuilding, you know who knows, right? So um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch. I I, I don't think a draft day trade. I don't no. think that. I don't even think you could. Does that kind of stuff even happen? I don't anymore? think that's ever happened in professional football where a star was traded on draft day for a pick. I mean, Herschel Walker was traded in in the mix with you know with the Cowboy thing, but he was. I mean, he wasn't even the best running back in the league when that happened. Well, Michael and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, and and when the when the trade thing was brought up, and and I can't remember what teams we were talking about, but what would it take? You know, if if Russell Wilson is commanding those two starters and what was it, two first round picks or mm-hmm. three or whatever it yeah, was, yeah, what does that do for the reigning right. MVP? Right. What do you What are you asking? What Does, are teams willing to meet you? Do you okay? With? So you would you would initially you would say well he would you would need like four or five picks, but well Rogers is five or six years older, so maybe no maybe you're at the same level of pick. Well maybe you need a better player. Maybe a team would need to send back their best corner. Right. Well I don't know maybe maybe not maybe do, do you need to get a quarterback back which was allegedly part of the reason why the Bears have been unable to get anything done is because they don't have a quarterback to give up of any substance in getting a quarterback back. Nobody wants Nick Foles. You know, <laughs> no, no, so don't. I don't know. There's, there's When you come to a trading like that, especially in football, because trades just don't really happen, period, and they especially don't really happen with stars, it's kind of hard to even really – Put the package right. in your head together because what are you comparing it to? Well, and, and not only that, but, okay, so what positions are you in need of? Like you said, we're going to give you a corner, we're going to give you this, we're going to give you that. You also have to consider, depending on where the first-round pick is, is he going to put the other team over the top so whatever pick that they give you for the first round next year and the year after, you're probably going to be picking in the mid to high 20s. Well, it's like What the, is that doing for you? Well, it's like the Lakers giving up all those picks right. for Anthony Davis. It's like, who gives a shit? They're going to be the best team in the West for the next three to five right. years. So what are those picks getting you? Not much. Not much. You know, you're probably not going to get a starter right away. Maybe, you, maybe in a year or two. They're get, and I'm just pulling it out of my yeah. head because I've he's recently been in the news. You're getting like a Sam Decker type of guy. Right. Mid to late 20s. Maybe he makes the league. Maybe he don't. Same thing with football. I mean, even some of these first round picks. There's late round guys that don't even get second deals. Right. So correct. You know. Yo, know, they're they're there's in no there guarantee. And then they're out. No, that's right. So all right, we talked about the mock uh, mock drafts a little bit. You're you've been seeing offensive linemen or or, or a DB because I mean they Chicago needs corner help. They do. They you know, do. They, they they just re-signed Gibson and, and Jackson. You know they got Jackson, so you're going to get your two starting safeties back. 
uh, next year. I wouldn't be surprised. That. The Newsome kid from Northwestern. Okay. I think he's in the mix. There's a kid. Is it is it Hardy? I think from Minnesota. Okay. That was a, that I seen in some mocks. So, um, sounds like O line is pretty deep in this draft. Yeah. So maybe they look at that in you know the middle rounds. I have been seeing um, them picking the quarterback out of Stanford in multiple mocks in the second round. What's his name? I don't know. Can't remember. <laughs> Never heard of him. That's right. Ne- never heard of him. So um, I couldn't tell you. Either. You know, I, does that excite me? No. Does that upset me? No. I don't know anything about him. Never right. saw him play football. Never seen him throw once. So yeah, no, we I don't, don't really have an of, opinion. Don't see a lot of Pac-12 no. stuff over here. I mean, um, there's a, there's been some talk. In the last couple days of the Bears potentially still trying to move up. Well, what did I read today that somebody was interested in in getting, I think the Panthers getting out of their spot. And I don't know whether that's going to grab one of the top tier guys. What do they got? I think the eighth. Eighth. eighth? Yes. Some people have said possibly Miami trading out of six again and accumulating more picks, which I don't know why they would do because they've got so many. Um, The one to watch is Atlanta at four. Yes. Um, You know, the top three picks are pretty much penciled in to be be quarterbacks, and then you get to four. Um, I you still got Matt Ryan, who was actually pretty good last year. He was not their problem. Um, you know, you got him under contract for a couple more years with some pretty big money. Do you really want to invest in a young quarterback now, especially when you're getting possibly the fourth best quarterback in the draft, mm-hmm. depending on how you got him rated? Um, maybe they trade back and and try to get some more more. You know, they just need players. Right. You know, they, they've they got good young wide receivers. They're not going to draft a running back. Um, you know, maybe they take that Sewell guy if they need O-line help. A lot of people have talked about the tight end Kyle Pitts. Oh, yeah. Um, They're talking about people trading up to go get him, yes. You know, and I had a conversation with a buddy today. We were talking about it, and he was just dead set adamant. You cannot take a tight end in the first round. That's completely asinine if he goes that high. And I was just like, look. Look at the best teams in the NFL the last couple of years. With the really with the exception of Green Bay, you've got New England and then Tampa. You had Gronk. You got Kelsey on the Chiefs. San Francisco the year before. Kittle yep. has San Francisco. Yep. Edwards on the Ravens. I mean, you look at the top offensive teams in football right now, they all have a stud tight end. They really do. And I mean, you put him with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and and Ridley and some of those other weapons, that's interesting. You know, if he falls to six, now maybe he's maybe he's now Tua's guy. That's that's what I was reading you know, as so, well. Keep him in Florida, and yeah, and, and a lot of people said, he, yeah, he's a tight end, but you can kind of really call him a, a wide, wide receiver because yeah. of his talent. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I, I think at the end of the day, the Bears are going to have the same problem moving up in the draft that they had with the Wilson trade. They just don't have any assets to give up. Right, not enough capital. Yep. You know, I mean, I don't really. I don't want them to give up this year's first and next year's first to move up to take Fields or Trey Lance. <laughs> like, I, those a, guys have, you know. The Trey Lance thing I think is so funny because I saw somebody's headline that said when Carson Wentz got drafted, you're never ever going to see this again. And then they fast forward to this year's like, well, we've seen it before. Here, I mean, here, here, here we go. He's, there's, there's, there's another guy. There's him. We had it with Flacco. We had it with Roethlisberger. Right. I mean, there's been guys, guys from these small schools yes. before that have turned out to be good enough to win you a Super Bowl. But, you know, it it is weird with the draft coverage and the way that it works. Mm-hmm. 
because all leading up to college football, and you watch 100 times more than I do. We've gone over that many Mm -hmm. times. But leading up to the season, it's Lawrence and Fields, Lawrence and Fields, Lawrence and Fields. Guaranteed they're going 1-2. Pretty much all throughout the season, with the exception of, I think, Fields sucked against, like, Northwestern or something. But pretty much for the whole season, it was those two guys going one and two in the draft. And now all of a sudden, you've got fields where some people are projecting him not even in the top ten. Yeah, like, I, I don't understand that. What the hell? How, how, how does that happen? And then you get another small school guy, and then you get the Alabama guy. Yeah. And it's like, well, where are these guys coming from, and why why weren't they talked about during the season when, up until right now? When Alabama won the national championship, nobody was talking about Mac Jones going nobody. third. no. He was like projected to be in the twenties. They were talking about the receiver, and they were talking about the running back. Yeah, they were talking. They were talking about Mac Jones. So it's just so weird how much that changes after all the games are played. Right. Yeah, and and I don't. I'm not connected or dialed enough in to follow pro days. Maybe they had spectacular pro days, and one was better than the other. Does that move the needle that much? Interviews, maybe. Right. You know, I, I don't know how much that can can move up or drop a player's stock since the end of the college football season and what they have on their tape. Because they always say that when in doubt, go back to the tape. Well, if the tape is good and you had your mind made up after the season, what's changed that you now discount that more in favor of what you've been learning? Mm -hmm. That's what I would like to know. Well... And again, it, I'm not deep enough into it, it to know that. It, it just really proves what an inexact science this is of trying to pick is. a quarterback. And I mean, when you factor in, you know, compare it to even 20 years ago to now, like the the massive amount of data that these teams accumulate now, and they still screw it up. Right. You know, I mean, people people laugh at the Bears. You know, if they haven't had a quarterback for 50 years, it's like, well, it's not that easy. I mean, you would think that dumb luck, you'd stumble into one here and there. But, like, there's been a lot of teams over the years that have just struggled to make that position work. You bring up a good point, though, in in that you have all this data, way more than you did. Way more. You have so much tape. You've talked to everybody in their inner circle. You have the pro day numbers and workouts, and, and you have everything that you think you need. So, to me... It's more egregious when you can't hit on somebody and somebody doesn't work out because what else do you need that you're not getting that would have told you that this is a bad idea or he's the wrong player for you to take? Like, I know that the Jacksonville regime is new because they just fired everybody and brought in Urban Meyer. I get it. But, like, any team in the NFL has the capability of really watching Trevor Lawrence since he was 13 14? Probably. Because he's probably been on social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, whatever, at all these camps, in all of his high school games, and all this stuff that he's grown up with being in this media age. You don't even really need to talk to these guys, the amount of information that you can get online. Right. And they still screw it up. Right. And it's, it's funny. I mean, I was listening to Russillo on his podcast the other day, and he was talking about. Um, he talked to somebody about Trubisky, okay. and he was like, you know, he asked, he asked, I think it was a, a a scout, an NFL scout or whatever, and he asked him about Trubisky. He's like, he's like, hey, listen, he goes, 
super talented, great athlete. You know, you surround him with the right system and the right the right kind of weapons. You know, and you protect him, and you you have any kind of a running game. And Russell's like, so wait, wait a minute. So you're telling me he's no good because you just listed off all these criteria that have to happen for him to for excel. him to be good yeah, that's right. and not great, just good. And that you still draft him number two. So, you know, one of these guys, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, Lawrence, Fields, Lance. Somebody's not going to work. Two of them are going to suck. Right. And everybody's going to wonder how they could miss so bad. I mean, bad. even look at last year. Everybody, I don't think anybody's walking into the uh, season in Miami feeling super confident as a Dolphin fan about Tua. Not super confident, but at least super excited that it's trying to be something different. Yeah, but I'm saying, like... You know, 18 like, months ago before that dude got hurt, oh, right. he was yes. like the greatest quarterback prospect since John Elway. That's true. So yes. things can change very quickly sure. once these guys hit an NFL field. All right. Um, Julian Edelman retired. Hall of Famer? Man, I didn't. How many Super Bowl rings does he have? I don't know. He's got Maybe three. Fill up a, okay. Two or three. Um, How'd that feel? I mean, is you're right there, Euchre. <laughs> Are you? Is he that critical of a member of the team that they may not win that many? He's not a Hall of Famer, dude. That's what I He's don't. He's not a Hall of Famer. No, I'm, like, I'm if like, you put it, it, no, like you try to justify be, him because just, he was on Brady's team for a while. And look, he made some he made some big catches in some big games. I'll give him that. But like, if you start you start stacking the numbers up against guys that aren't in, it's, oh. it's not even it's not even comparable. I mean. You know, if Sterling Sharp isn't in based on his numbers, look, he didn't get to play with Favre. He got hurt. If he comes along in 1992 instead of 1988 and he gets to play 10 years with Favre, please. He's, <laughs> he'd have a ring or two. He'd have 10,000 yards. He'd, he'd have a lot of records. I mean, it would be ridiculous. He'd so just because broken, just yeah. because you're on a good team, I mean, John Taylor's not in the Hall of Fame. Right. He won all those Super Bowls with Montana and Rice. Alvin Harper's not in the Hall of Fame. Alvin Harper. You know, he was on them Cowboy teams. So, no, no, he's not not a Hall of Famer to me. And then Alex Smith retired. uh, I think it was a 16-year career. Drafted number one. Bounced around before he... He he found a home and and some success. And I know you had had said last year, you know, you you would have picked somebody else for comeback player of the year. Um, But, I mean, I just consider looking at Looking at his leg, and yeah, he played for he 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 played for Washington and and won the East, which is no great feat. But just what he did to be able to get back out and be playing in the NFL, to me, that warrants enough. But after he got released, after going through what you've been through, and after 16 years, I I don't blame him. I don't want to bounce around and do this anymore. No, no. He well, he proved his point. He just yes. wanted to come back. Had a had had a last blast. Was able to do it competitively, you know, do what he could do. That Project Eleven was on last night again, and I caught a little bit of it. Good lord, that yes. the, that that video, the documentary about his surgery and recovery, and oh my goodness, it's like his leg when they show it after the surgery, it's just that's something wow. that, that you don't unsee. No, at all. The fact that that guy. had the guts to go back out on a right. football field. I mean, is is. Who was it's very who, remarkable? Who was the Bears tight end that that got his? Oh, Zach Miller. What what is his? I mean, that was it. 
was it. That was it. I mean, he's had surgeries and they saved his leg and stuff, but yeah. I mean, can he walk? Does he have? A I think he full, can walk, but full capabilities. And I think stuff? so. I but think so. NFL is yeah. That's over. so. So considering what's and I don't. I don't pretend to compare the two injuries, but just I know how much work Alex Smith needed. And, again, seeing that picture of the leg, I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. All right. Anything else in the NFL? Nope. Do, do we leave out? I think we got our All typical right. half hour in. <laughs> okay, let's go to the crew. They're on the uh, they're on the West Coast uh, later on tonight. I'm not going to watch. You are going oh, yeah. to watch. Three solos last night, despite Musgrove uh, setting a career high in strikeouts. Um, and you've got these guys who are coming in because the injured list, I mean, it's, it filled up and it filled up fast. I mean, you kind of called the Kane thing, you know, with not playing last year and starting slow and then getting a lot of work, and right away he's on it. Now you got Yelich with the back strain. Colton Wong had to go on um, as well. Uh, is is Sean? No. Okay, he. I, th- I think he got hit in the leg and then he was out for maybe – you know, half of a game or something. But it's like, and Urias now is out. He got a cramp last night. Yeah, I saw that. So he's not playing today. That must be one hell of a cramp. Right. You know, I, I said to a, a buddy today, I go, you know, with all the advancements that we have in, in, in sports medicine, yes. we sure do have a lot of pulled muscles on the Brewers. Maybe I'll look into that. Sore back. I mean, like, what's, a, what's the deal with that? What happened like, to there's Wong? There's no excuse about. Wong and oblique. Oblique. Yeah. There's, there's no excuse about an abbreviated this or a shortened that. Regular spring training. So this is regular baseball now. Um, you know, it's disappointing Wong got hurt early because you, you know, anytime you get a new guy, you kind of like them to play right away to fit in and see how things are going to go. Well, not only that, but you want to put here over at first. Right. That's what you were put, training him to be there. And now it's like, oh, wait, we need you back. It's second. like what happened last year when they were trying to put Braun at first and then it never happened. Right. Um, so that that sucks. Um, Kane, yeah, I'm not surprised. And, and frankly, Jackie Bradley Jr., in my opinion, is I think he's a better all-around player. I'm not sure he's better in the field, but I think he's a better all-around player than Kane, plus he's a left-handed bat. So I, they haven't really missed a beat there. I mean, I heard of a couple people say this, some in jest and some not. I mean, just because Braun left doesn't mean that Yelich now has to become Braun and get hurt all the time and never play. And I say I, that as a Braun, as a Braun that, guy, but, right. you know, Yelich, yes. I mean, I get that they played 60 games last year and it was weird and there's all these excuses. The dude has not been that very very good of a player since he broke his kneecap. He's about a 200, 220 hitter. He's not hitting for power. He's been on the DL a few times. I mean, this is, you know, it, it, it's a little concerning. I, I mean, say. you're paying, you know, especially for a team like the Brewers, and this is why, and I, I'm not, I'm not worried really long term about Yelich. He's too good of a player. You hope he he. I I think he'll be fine. But these are the things you worry about as a small market team when you invest in a guy. You know, and when and when you and I we rag about the Brewers not not signing this guy and that guy. This is the kind of thing that scares the shit out of those teams. You know, the Yankees or the Red Sox can absorb one guy on a big salary that gets hurt and can't play. Brewers can't. Um, so hopefully this is not recurring for him. Back, back stuff always worries me because I've had back problems. I had back problems late in college, which really affected my play. I know you've got your own share of back misery. Um, you know, that shit ain't nothing to mess with. No. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ripping the Brewers for sitting him down. Especially when you need to be a pro athlete every oh, yeah. single day. 
dude, when you're, if you've ever run a race, like a long distance race and got back spasms, or you've ever been in a basketball game and got, you can't move. Right. You can't move. So now you're trying to hit a 95 mile an hour fastball. It just, it's not going to happen. What I have actually liked in some of these offensive outputs, and granted, they've gotten great pitching. The starters have been phenomenal. They haven't gotten the offensive support for the most part. I mean, they're still above 500, um, but some of the, the offensive output, and I see some of the guys that are doing it for them. Like Billy McKinney, I think he's been on, what, like seven teams? Something like that, and now he's getting a chance to produce, and he's making, like Council said yesterday, guys like that, you put them in, they're making the most of that time. Can that be a full season? No. Uh, it, it just, conventional wisdom says no, otherwise you wouldn't be on your seventh team. He'll go a month and not get a hit. Right. You know, Tyrone Taylor, pinch hit, home run. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. You know, Vogelback, two home runs in one game, now that he's actually getting time, because here is at second. Okay, great. Can he have a kind of resurgence of his career long-term? Probably not, maybe, but it's like in the short term, you're getting guys that you're putting in, they're actually doing the job. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's kind of comforting. You just don't want to have to rely on that for a great length of time. Definitely, definitely. I mean, and it's hard to win two to one every night. Right. You know, it's counting the starters. You really put, and you put a lot of pressure because Council does not allow his pitchers to pitch late into games. Yeah. What do you What do you make of him kind of pulling the chain? That's Council. That's what he does. And I mean, some of the relievers that he's put in. I mean, spots. I I told my dad the other day. I said the way he manages a pitching staff, it must have been murder for him to play with guys like Schilling and Randy Johnson, who (laughs) never came out. Right. Those guys just rubber armed it. All the time, mm-hmm. seven, eight, nine innings routinely. You know, now you got he's yanking Burns out at eighty-five pitches in the sixth inning. You put Suter in, and he's giving up bombs. You know, the the middle relief has not been great. That's really been the issue this year so far with the pitching staff. Suter hasn't been very good. Devin Williams, my fear has come true. Second year in the league, they had a whole winter to watch you, not doing well. You know, Boxberger's been. Okay, yeah. but he didn't even make the roster out of the out of the spring training. Um, you know, Fire Eyes has been okay, but you know that bridge from the starter to hater that's that's a big deal. They got to figure that out because you've blown I think at least two games already. Right. You know, one against the Cubs and one against the Pirates. Yeah, they they took two out of three from the from the Cubs, and then they lost two out of three. I mean, Pittsburgh won their first series in Milwaukee. I read since so like twenty eighteen or something like That's that. That's a bad team. Yeah, you can't be losing two to three no, at home. Definitely not. Uh, and then and then as mentioned, they beat the Pods. The thing with the Cubs and um, uh, Contreras getting what did they hit him three times in two series, something like that, and and now apparently it's a thing. And then they threw behind Woodruff and. Um, and then who was the uh, Tapera? I think was the was the reliever. He got suspended, and he re, he appealed that was upheld. I mean, the whole throwing it at at player. I I just don't get that. I just don't. Well, first of all, Tapera wanted no part of Woodruff. Woodruff would have killed him. <laughs> and Schroeder and Anderson pretty much said that during the broadcast. Like, yeah, that's probably of all the guys in the Brewers, position player or not, I probably ain't throwing at him. Um, I would just say to any Cub fan that's whining about it, if you don't like it, tell Contreras to take his body armor off of his left elbow and stand in the batter's box like a normal player. That's why he gets hit all the time. That's why Rizzo gets hit all the time. Both of those guys are up at the top every year in getting hit by pitch, 
and that's because they stand on top of the plate and they hang their arm over because it's protected by a big hunk of plastic. You want to get rid of that kind of stuff? Get rid of the body arm. Get rid of the upper body body armor. They won't do that because then no. player, player, players, players will, will cry. About safety. They will cry. Yep. So that's not going to happen. So pitchers need to be able to pitch inside. The one where Williams beamed him in the head, that's obviously you never want to see that, but it was an absolute mistake. You could tell by Williams' reaction it was not intentional. And at that point in the game, it didn't even make sense. You know, you're going to start that shit, then you hit the home run, you trot around like a big shot, that's great. Um, it's going to be the highlight of your season because the Cubs blow because um, they're the Cubs and they always blow except for the one year when they bought the title and got lucky because God had a rain delay because he felt bad for you suckers. But saying all of that, I'm really looking forward to the next 12 or 14 games that they have against each other. Um, I do not think this is over. The Brewers will not be the ones to instigate anything, though, because Council will never tell a pitcher to throw out a hitter. That's just not what he no. does. Yep. Um, their analytics department doesn't believe in putting guys on base for free, so they're not going to do that. <laughs> um, but, you know, whatever. I, I, I like a, I like a little... Uh, a little old school beanball stuff. I'm I'm okay with that, but you know, where do you draw the line? Because it seems like it'll just keep going and that'll get carried over. Well, I I think it. I think the line is a fight. That for me, I mean, look, we're old school baseball guys. At least I am. Yeah. Like I have no problem with Bryce Harper getting plunked and running out and punching the pitcher in the head, or <laughs> Robin Ventura running out and Nolan Ryan putting him in a headlock and giving him noogies. Like, it is what it is. You know, but these guys that are hanging out over the plate, you're going to get popped once in a while, and you can't be sensitive about it because you know what you're doing. Right. No, I mean, I agree. It's, yeah, I, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. I think you said it probably perfectly. Um, the extra innings thing has, and I guess, I guess I didn't realize we were still doing Either the doubleheader, seven innings well, apiece. Yeah, and I think Hader didn't even realize it either the other night because he said he didn't remember that anybody was on second base. And it didn't matter because he just went bang, 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 good night. And then the runner's on second to start extra innings. So there are some things that carried over from last season, and I think it's all in the spirit of getting the game times moving Um because that's what baseball's worried about now. It's worried about attention spans, and it's worried about people losing their shit when a game runs over three hours, so we got to hurry up and keep it moving and, you know, pitch clock times and all that other stuff and mound visit restrictions and, uh, you know, everything like that. So, uh, to me, the, the, the runner on second immediately adds dramatics. I mean, you need to game plan big time if you are the defensive team. You know, for the offensive team, it puts pressure on hitters where it's where, where it's you just need you just need one hit. You know, you 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 get a well placed hit, you got to run. You know, and and that means that the defense can't afford any screw ups. Um, so I like it, maybe maybe because it's something that I played with. And again, I'm not comparing apples to oranges here. We played a lot of that in softball because. You want to get the game going. You don't want the game to last 13 innings or, you know, whatever it is. So I don't mind the runner on second. That doesn't bother me that much. Stup- if, if you're old school, that's fine. It's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Okay. And you just said it. They do it in softball. 
Come on, man. It's, this is Major League Baseball. You don't put gimmicks in the middle of a professional game. I don't understand why they're doing it in the 10th inning. If you wanted to do it in like the 12th or the 13th inning. Oh, so like okay. So like when you change the rules sure. in, in overtime sure. for football. Yeah. Now all why of a sudden you, you have it? to go for two. If you're going to or... do it in the 10th inning, then just have a goddamn tie. Because you really don't care then about the – let these guys play it out. You, you still got – it's not like everybody – these. Nobody expends their bullpen in a nine-inning game unless it's the playoffs. Right. So what are we doing here? I don't understand the point of this. I, I just don't understand the point. It's getting the game over with. Who's crying about that? a, a ten-inning game? Everybody's crying about a nine-inning game lasting four, three and a half Everybody, hours. like the media? Because I don't really ever hear. I've never run into anybody that goes to a baseball game that says they don't like the sport because it takes too long. Why else would they make league-wide changes? Because the media wrote about be, it. This just is one of them. Because the media wrote about but it. But the media doesn't care because they're all old-school guys as well. They're, they want to go home. They've got deadlines to meet. I, they don't want. I'm you not. think You think Harder Court wants a 16-inning game when he's got a deadline to meet? I think, Hell no. I think he would rather take that rather than a bunch of new gimmicks being instituted on a game that he's been covering for decades. Uh, because these guys are, are old school dudes. Some of, of them, them. Some of them. Most of them. Some of them are. They don't. I, I would bet you that the percentages would be very lopsided about who's actually in favor of all these things that they're adding. Well, I bet most of them don't like them at all. But all 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 games aren't created equally. And For sure. and it might be one to one and the game took 2 hours to get to the ninth inning. Fair enough. Why are we put it, it, So you're going to have separate rules depending I, on what I, well, situation they're in? I'm saying no, that's why the rule's dumb because it's not all games aren't created equally. You put this rule in thinking that we were going to shorten game times when a lot of these game times don't need to be shortened and you can still play extra innings. Those five, six-hour Red Sox-Yankee marathon playoff games in, like, the early 2000s, those were, yeah, that was ridiculous. I get that. But, like, a regular season game, like, how many regular season games go 15 innings a year? Not many. Eight? Ten? Mm-hmm. I just don't get the point. Okay. Uh, I would rather them change the seven-inning doubleheaders back to nine. I didn't know they were still doing that. Are yeah. they still doing doubleheaders? Oh, yeah. They've had a couple of them because oh. – Teams have had COVID. They've had weather cancellations. I mean, I saw a video last week of, I think, the Mets landing in Colorado and getting off the plane, and there were six inches of snow on the ground. Oh, really? <laughs> They're going to play the next day at, at Coors Field. Wow. So it's like the Twins and the and the A's were supposed to play a doubleheader today because Minnesota's got some COVID issues. They were going to play a seven-inning game at five and then a, a seven-inning game at nine. But, that, like, that's – I would rather see nine-inning games and a runner on second and extras than – no runner on second and seven inning double headers because to me they're just as infrequent almost. Well, yeah, I mean, and if 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 managers manage baseball like they were supposed to, I would agree with you, but they don't. No, they don't. So, all right. Um, Did you see we? This was last week. We didn't get to talk about it, but it kind of ties into the Brewer Cub thing. Did you see that Mets game that ended with a hit by pitch where the guy stuck his elbow out and they called it a hit by pitch? And he didn't. I mean, he he did a complete. Uh, Major League Two, Roger Dorn, yeah. and just kind of he leaned, just leaned into, leaned into it, it, got and ticked, and the bases were loaded, and they it would have been strike three. It was in the strike zone. The umpire called it a hit by pitch, and everybody in the stadium knew that it was the wrong call. The Mets announcers, the Mets won the game because of it. The Mets announcers were mad about it, and then they and they went to re, but they can't they can't reverse it. 
Why again do we have replay in these games? Because we we will do certain things, and and everybody says the reason that they have it is to get the call right. Well, if you're not going to get the call right, like you said, why are we doing this? I don't understand. And I was watching the game. I think it was on Sunday, and I think specifically whoever was throwing for the Brewers was getting no no edges. Oh, of, it was Hauser. Of, Yes. Yeah, like in the first inning, got he, like, he got nothing. He's got looking nothing. at the he had like two strikeouts. He's right. like, "What the hell's going on?" And, and and you can see it on the on the box, the fox tracks or whatever it is. It's like it's right there. Yeah, outside corner, it's catching. Like if it's in tennis, it's on the line. It's catching chalk mm-hmm. or or baseball. It's down the line. It, chalk fly. It's a fair like it's right on the edge of the box. So I know we complain about officiating a lot, but so far in 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 the limited baseball that I have been able to watch, it's like. Some of these strike zones that umpires have, like, do they go back and they do they review tapes? I've always wondered. Do that. they get graded on what their strike zone is and how often they get calls wrong on balls that should or should not be strikes? I don't know. Because I would like to know, you put me, when you give me the, the umpiring crew to start the game and they do that little four bar, who's it where, and whoever is at home plate, give me a accuracy percentage next to their name. Kind of like his batting average. Right. Yeah. I want to know how good he is at calling a strike yeah, zone if, effectively. If, if you feel the need to tell me who this guy is, which I still don't know why they tell us that in a broadcast. I don't give a shit who the referee or the umpire is. Who cares? Supposed to be seen and not heard. They're like the little kid. <laughs> but you're going to tell me who he is. Well, right. Tell me how good he is. Right. I want to know who I'm getting. I want to see if you're going to try to Angel Fernandez out there, that idiot. I want to know that he blows fifty percent of his calls. Right. If 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 I've been getting Joe West, yeah, you know who's got, some I mean, red ass who's just going to run you every time you give him the the stink eye. Some of these guys that have reputations, I want to know why they've earned this reputation. Yeah. So you put that accuracy number up there for me. I want to know how good you are. Oh, the umpires union doesn't like. Of course that. they wouldn't, because nobody there nobody wants accountability. It's like, like this is the way it is, and this is the way we call it. So deal with it. Yep. No, that that Mets thing was. You're right. It w- it was a debacle. All right, uh, let's move to the Bucks. Man, did I get did I read this right or did I get this right this morning? They've played Phoenix twice, and it's two one point losses. Mm-hmm. And they and they blew it. La- I, I assumed you watched. Oh yeah, right right down to the end. Oh yeah, blown call. Questionable call. Okay. Questionable. So they put three point three seconds back yeah. on. It went into overtime. Devin Booker shot a three on the wing. Um, Holiday had kind of fallen down guarding him, and Tucker went to contest. They called a foul with three tenths of a second left. I mean, it kind of looked like as Tucker ran by him that their elbows touched, but Booker wasn't even in his shooting motion yet. And it didn't even look like he got the shot off before the buzzer sounded. But they couldn't review it because the Bucks didn't have a challenge. So, again, are we worried about getting the call right or not? You should be able to review. I mean, it's the end of the game. You should be able to review that whether you have a challenge left or not. But at the end of the day, it was a, as Ted Davis said today on his radio show, it was a young, inexperienced referee who had made three or four other bad, young, inexperienced calls earlier in the game. I mean, to be fair, 
the Bucks at the end of regulation, for the second time, they, like you said, they played Phoenix twice. They lost by one twice. Giannis, Giannis fucked up at the end of the game both times. He took a bad shot in Phoenix and missed it at the buzzer, and they lost earlier in the year. Then last night, he gets the ball, 25 seconds left. They ISO him at the top of the key, runs it down to five seconds, and goes to the basket, and he falls down. I read about this on Twitter. He just falls down. And that was... So there's a mad scramble for the ball. Nobody has it. My favorite thing in the world happens. The coach gets to call the timeout from the sideline, and they grant it to the Bucks. They shouldn't have. It was a loose ball. Nobody should have got the ball. So as bad as the call at the end of overtime was, the one at the end of regulation was equally as bad because it screwed the Suns because they could have had the ball with about three seconds left and a chance to win the game, but that didn't happen. So I've just now found it interesting in all three levels of basketball that we've watched in the last two months, high school, college, and now the pros, the referees have inserted themselves into the last possible second to factor into the outcome of all, of all these they games. They do it all the time. And it's funny. It's like, you know, a play like that in the Buck game happens last night where there's like this little grazing of elbows touching. And then you get the end of the UConn-Baylor women's game where the girl for Baylor gets absolutely mauled by two UConn players, and there's no call. And you have people that defend it and say, well, it's the end of the game. You shouldn't make that call. Well, which is it? Right. Which is it? There's there's too much subjectivity, and it's the same thing with the baseball strike zone. One night it's this, one night it's that. I don't get I, I need yeah. – I. All players want in any sport they play is some form of consistency from the officiating. And we're not getting it at all in the NBA especially. NBA officiating is really bad. (laughs) It's constantly players trying to trick these guys, them constantly falling for it, inserting themselves into end-of-game situations. It's made a product that's already for most basketball fans, been difficult to watch this year because the play is just not very good. Um, You add in the poor refereeing, it's just become a really bad product. This has not been a good season. They're kind of doing themselves no favors in that respect. No, they're not. I mean, the Bucs are 35-22. and They're still third in the East. They're four behind Philly. 15 games is all that's left in the regular season. They're going through a tough stretch. They've lost five of eight. Um, you know, they lost by one at Golden State on their road trip last week, game they should have won. Lost at Dallas, lost at home to Charlotte on a night when all five starters didn't play I for the saw, Bucks. I saw that. Then they lose, uh, you know, they beat Orlando, who's awful. They beat Minnesota, who's awful. They beat Atlanta, who's eh, okay. Then they come home and they give up 128 to Memphis and lose, and then give up 128 last night to Phoenix and lose. So... Their last four losses, 122, 116, 127, 128, 128. That's what they're giving up. It's just too much. Those are that's you're giving up four 30-point quarters a night. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to play a team like Brooklyn in the playoffs who's got Irving Harden and Durant. You can't be giving up 130 points in a playoff game. Right. You just can't. You're not going to win. So they got to figure that out. Um uh, but you know, they lost five straight at home, and it's not as bad as it sounds because you've got a game like Charlotte where nobody plays. That counts as one of your home losses, and you've had, you know, Giannis missed, a, a, I think, six or seven six, games yeah. in a row. 
So last night was the first time they've had all their they're basically their whole team together healthy. And then he had a cramp in he like a month. The, the last four minutes of overtime. Yeah, and then he cramps up and it's like, how? how? <laughs> I don't, like I don't what? Know. What the hell is going on? But I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, I, I've been frustrated recently with their with their play, especially on the defensive end. Last night was a really good game against a really good Phoenix team that's got the second-best record in the NBA right now. There's no shame in losing to them. You should have won, but there's no shame in losing. Sounds like you should have won both of them. Yeah, but the Bucks just kind of have this look of just get us to the playoffs. Like, we've had the best record the last two years. It hasn't been shit. You know, Philadelphia's kind of going balls to the wall this year to try to get Embiid the MVP and get the number one seed. Do you think that that's honestly in the minds of either the coaching staff I think or, so. or especially the players? I think it's that, in the whole organization. That why have we killed ourselves the last yeah. two years to get the number one seed and what have we got to show for I it? I think so, that's why you saw five guys sit out the other night. Let's just go make sure we're healthy, get it done. If we got to sit, we got to sit, beat the teams we're supposed to beat, get to the playoffs, and then we'll turn it on. Yeah. Does it work like that? Can you just reach another gear once you get there? It used to not. It used to not work that way, but I've heard Bill Simmons and, and a couple NBA people talk about this in recent years. The The difference now between playoffs and regular season has never been larger than it is now. It's almost like two different sports. You know, back in when we were growing up, like, the good teams were the good teams the whole time. From the beginning of the year, throughout the year, into the playoffs, they were the top-ranked teams going, advancing in. Like, this, the last few years, like, we've seen teams that just haven't really given a shit about the regular season, and they do fine in the playoffs. Like, the Lakers are going to probably get the four or the five seed. LeBron and AD have been hurt. You know, 20 years ago, I think they're both already back playing. They're not now because it doesn't really matter. They still have LeBron and Anthony Davis. What difference does it make what seed they get? Um, I think Brooklyn feels the same way with their their big three. You know, they could have had guys back sooner than they did, but so they get the two seed. Whatever. They're still going to have to beat the Bucks in Philly to go to the finals. really doesn't matter. There's not anybody in the stand, so does home court really matter? Not much. So, okay. I don't know. It's I'm it's curious. It's a weird time right now in the league. It, it, it's kind of a transition point because you've got that old era, like you know the LeBron, Wade, Paul era is kind of on its last leg. You've got Durant and Curry and Harden are kind of right behind them, and then there's like a big gap. There's like Giannis, maybe Embiid, then all the bunch of young guys. So I don't know. I I, I still like. I still like the Bucks team. I think they got a chance to make the conference finals. But it's going to be tough to do if they got to face Brooklyn in the semis. So, okay. um couple of uh other notes you have down here. Um we'll get to the play-in tournament in just a second. Jamal Murray torn ACL. Yeah, it's too bad. Point guard for the Nuggets. Um that really pretty much derails their season. I mean, Jokic is just unbelievable. <laughs> that guy I've never really seen anything like him. I mean, he's kind of like this seven-foot overweight <laughs> Eastern European white dude, but he's one of the five greatest passers I've ever seen. And 
he can get 30 and he never sprints and he can't jump. It's just unbelievable to watch him. It's really fun. But he's he might win the MVP, but unfortunately I think the Nuggets are are going to drop because okay. of that loss, but No, explain to me the play and I I think you have before, but I guess I I I either, did, but I think I did it wrong. Either forget about it or I, I I'm not sure what exactly the format is coming up for for the playoffs. So is it one through six and then seven through like ten? One through six are guaranteed a spot. Okay. Your seeds are locked in. Seven through ten are in a play in tournament. Now I would have assumed that seven would play ten Correct. and eight would play nine yes. and then the winners would meet. Blah 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 blah. That's not how it works. So seven plays eight, nine plays ten. Okay. okay? The winner of seven and eight is in the playoffs. Right. The loser of seven and eight plays, plays the, the winner, winner of, of nine and ten. And then so, the winner of that. So no, so nine and ten have to win two, two games. games. Seven and eight only have to win one game. So it's kind of more complicated, I think, than it needs to be. So the seven and eight game is technically double elimination. For the loser, yes. yes. Yeah. But if you win you know, I think right now Dallas is seven and you know, let's just say the Pelicans are eight. So they would play if Dallas wins, Dallas is the seventh seed. Right. So now the Pelicans have to wait, and they play the winner of Memphis and the Kings. Mm-hmm. And then the winner of that would then have to beat, they would have to win again. And then whoever comes out of that is the eighth seed. Correct. That's that's how it works. Why are we doing this again? Well, they did it last year because of the pandemic, and we didn't get the full season, so they didn't want to screw some teams over. Okay. They got a decent response to it, I guess. I don't really know why. I mean, I hope it doesn't continue. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. And, you know, Luka Doncic was complaining about it the other day, which is a little convenient because they're sitting in the seven seed. Um, and then Mark Cuban came out and complained about it, which is a little ironic considering that it passed unanimously when it was voted on by the NBA's Board of Governors, which you sit upon. But the point that they were both making was, like, look, you're going to play 72 or in a regular season, you're going to play 82 games. And let's say we're the eight seed and we play the seven seed and like Doncic rolls his ankle in the first quarter and they lose. Okay. Like they're done. Like there's just a lot of games to play for an NCAA tournament, like one and done scenario. Right. You know and what then, I mean? And then your, your gift is to go play the one seed. Right. If, if, if you get it's, that it's last re- spot. I mean, really what the play-in tournament is, is it's the NCAA first tournament four. first four yeah. when it was only 16 seeds. Right. And you just, whoever won this game, you play the one. Congratulations. And you're just happy to be there. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, is there a little bit of drama because it's a one-game thing? Sure. It's like the second wild card in baseball. Okay. But chances are, whoever wins that, they're not winning three more rounds. So what are we really worried well, about and, here? And like you, you've always said with the NBA playoffs, you can pretty much the best team ninety five percent of the time wins right. the series. You're not getting uh, an NCAA fifteen two upset. And in or pro sports, like I don't think you want that. I think you want the best teams in professional sports to be there at the end because they're going to have the stars, and that's who we want to see. You want to see Durant and LeBron. You'd love to see. I dude, I would love to see the Bucks play the Sixers. And watch Giannis and Embiid go at it for seven games. I think that'd be fun as hell. That's what you want to see. But, you know, 
they gotta they gotta go for the money and the Extra and the games. ratings and yep. the, and the Twitter crowd that likes it and that's where we are. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, closing in on the hour mark, we still got a couple of things left. We'll move to college hoops. Um, who is Marquette putting out on the floor next year uh, with Shaka Smart? Because we talked about was it a couple of weeks ago? Our last episode of the one before where we talked about the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Because right now, and that's not even the portal in that some of these guys committed to Smart when he was with Texas, and now that he left, they are released from their obligations and they can go follow him. And I get that. Mm-hmm. That, that to me, is totally acceptable. Yep. Because um, you and I, as yes. we discussed a couple weeks ago, most of these kids go to play for the coach. coach. It's, 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 it's not the school. These are the people they form relationships with. Yep. They haven't formed a relationship with a campus. No. Or, you know, the school song or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's, they, they bought themselves a hat. Right. <laughs> you know? they'll, they'll put it up on eBay. Right. That's fine. Um, but they got a ton of different players. Um, and they got a couple of guys that I, I think one of the guys, dec- you know, said he was going to go pro, but probably not going to do it. I can't remember who that was. It Dawson was, Garcia. Yeah. Yep. Um, probably not going to get. Just yeah, you can put just, your name in, and right, you can and then, get the feedback and see where you're at, and then, but, and then withdraw in plenty of time and yeah. all that stuff. And then Theo John, uh, he's going to be a grad transfer, so he's we'll get to him in a second. But um, I mean, you got some some in-state talent uh, coming as well, and you got a couple of guys from around the country that are coming in too. So this is going to be a, a way differently made over team with a new head coach, and it's not. I mean, you're you're a Marquette guy. But there's going to be a lot of people that you're going to have to learn about right when they hit the floor. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, they they got five kids that came in in the last week. Um, two transfers, three uh, freshmen, as you said, that came with Smart from Texas. One of them is a kid named David Joplin. He went to Brookfield East. He was the player of the year in the Metro, which was the best conference in the state this year. Uh, they won state, I think, two years ago, Brookfield did. Okay. Um, he was first team all state. He averaged like twenty six points, like twelve, thirteen rebounds a game, like six, seven, six, eight kid. Um I'm pretty excited that they got him just because they hadn't had a in state kid on their roster in a couple of years. Um in in reading in the Journal Sentinel uh from his press conference, he wanted to go to Marquette all along that but Wojo never recruited him. Um and then he somehow gets recruited to go to Texas. So um happy to have him. Um, they got a point guard, Imarian Ellis from Iowa. Um, he is friends with DJ Carton, who's okay, also yep. from Iowa, who's on, he came from on the Marquette State, team. He right? went to Ohio yeah, State, but okay. he, he went. Yep. he's from Iowa. Okay. So there's a little connection there. He He's an also a Texas recruit. And then a big man, Keon Itajiri, I'm going to say his Ooh, name, a kid from one. North Carolina that was also a Texan recruit. And then they got um, Tyler Kolek. He's a transfer from George Mason. He was the freshman of the year in the Atlantic 10. Um, and then they got Olivier Maxence Prosper, who is a uh, a kid from Clemson that's transferring in. He was a top 100 recruit last year, but he didn't play didn't much. Didn't see the this floor year. much, if yeah. I can remember. The, um, what Clemson I saw. was a solid team. You know, they were a tournament team, so you know, I, that, I'm not sure that tells you much. Um, and then uh, Cam Jones and Stevie Mitchell are a couple of guys that Wojo had recruited that have 
uh, said they're going to honor their commitment and still okay. want to go to Marquette after talking to Smart. So that's seven new guys. Right. You lose Theo John. You're lo- you lost uh, Jamal Kane. He transferred to I think Oakland, and then you lost uh, Kobe McEwen. Uh, he transferred somewhere out west. I can't maybe Weber State, something like that. So um, right now Marquette is one over the scholarship limit. So they're going to have to figure something out there. Might still mean a kid transfers. If Garcia says, hey, late first round, I'm willing to give it a shot to go in the draft. Maybe he leaves. Um, you know, Maybe they take a scholarship away from a guy. I don't know. But um, you know, there's some excitement over in the Milwaukee area. I mean, Shaka offered two local kids scholarships. Seth Trimble out of Menominee Falls, who's a really highly touted guard, scoring guard. He's actually uh, his brother is J.P. Tokido, who was uh, the other five-star recruit the same year, I believe, as Decker. Oh, and really? Tokido went to North Carolina, Okay, played for Roy Williams. So this is his brother. And then they also offered to a kid named Leon Bond of Tosa East. He was the one that did all the Thunder Dunks in the title game. Oh, right. So a couple of local guys. I- I'm very pleased to I see like that. that. That's yes, That's fun. That, that, that I, at least it, you won after them. Look, I don't watch as much college basketball as I used to, and when you've got kids that, as especially for you and I, as much high school we get wrapped up in, um, we may not see these kids, but we follow along with what's going on we in the state. We hear their names, absolutely. So it's cool to be able to see them play in college locally. And, and you know, I, I hope a couple of these guys start going back to Wisconsin and, and even Green Bay. I read today Patrick Baldwin, who's the number one player in the country. Oh, I didn't know who he didn't was. really. He, I think he played two games this year for he Sussex had, he before had a high he got ankle sprain. And yeah, they shut even, it down. Yeah. He still hasn't decided yet. I saw he's down to Duke and UWM because his dad's a UWM coach. Really? So, Holy I mean, if he went to UWM, that would be something else. Would that be their biggest recruit oh, ever? Oh, not even close. I mean, hands down. I mean, wow. and this kid is, I think he's like a 6'8 kid. Um, you know, he's more of a wing. He's not a super athlete, but he's a good athlete. I, You know, I, I don't think he's quite as athletic as a Jalen Johnson, but I think he's a bigger and better shooter than Jalen Johnson. That'd be so impressive. Um, yeah, okay. it'd be interesting to see. I mean, wow. we're, we're kind of to that time here in the spring right. of, of – Deciding where to go. All right, these teams have summer workouts coming up. Yeah, so I would think Baldwin would be announcing any time. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, and then we talked about we, we mentioned Theo John, uh, grad transfer. What's the relationship to Duke? Well, it's got to be Wojo. It's got to be Wojo putting in a good word um, with with K, um, and then Chris Carowell, who played at Duke, then was on Wojo staff at Marquette and is now back on Duke staff. I believe he was involved in recruiting okay. Theo John. So and I think that's why. I think, and I think when I read this, Duke is, is going to be a little vertically challenged yep. as yep. well, so that might fill, fill a little bit of a need. And, I mean, he's and by the, all accounts, Theo John's a great kid. He's, uh, he's graduated. He's, you know, he's the very well thought of. second biggest or second most block shots in program history for Marquette. Yep, behind so, McIlvain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's – I. He had a nice career. I, I mean, just, he was never a star, but right. he was a good, solid guy. And not somebody that I would think I would want to mess with on the court either. No. Holy oh, God, mackerel. no. That dude was very dude intimidating. Was, yeah, and he was cut up, too. <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, all right, switch to the Badgers. Uh, you called that immediately, is that you thought Brad Davison would be back, and he's the only one of that class that is. 
Everybody else has said they're looking forward to starting their professional careers, which I wondered on the air last week or the week before, where are they going to be playing? Because it's not in the NBA, like Potter. Well, it's not in this country. Reaver, right. <laughs> Reavers, Potter, Trice, you know, all these guys. Like, you're, well, I'm going to start my, my professional career. Okay, where's that going to be? Because it's not, it's not in the U.S. Potter could maybe get a G League sniff okay, because of his size and he can shoot. Um, I don't think Trice or uh, certainly not Ford or Reavers would have a shot. Oh, Ford, I missed him, yeah. Um, but, you know, those guys could go overseas and play somewhere. Um, not, a, not a high level type of thing, but look, I, I always go back. I mean, Travis Diener was a much better player than all of those guys. And Travis Diener spent a couple of years in the NBA, but that dude went over and played in Italy and lived on a freaking island and, I mean, made a ton of money. So there's there's nothing wrong with going pro not here. I mean, not everybody. There's only 450 dudes in the NBA. Is Decker still playing overseas? Decker, I think last I knew, I think he's in Russia. So, okay. yeah, and, and you know, he's making a good living. I'm he's sure it's Turkey tough. Turkey or something like well, that. Well, I'm yeah. sure it's tough to be married. Right. And she's here working, and right. you're over there, and you probably don't speak the language well. But, you know, they pay for everything. I was just going to say, I'm sure they have teams that have, are setting up things for those. Well, it's like Mr. Baseball. Right. It's like Mr. Baseball. Give you a translator, give you all the tools that you need to move around and, they pay and for your, get everything. They pay for your food. They pay for your lodging. They pay for your transportation. So, yeah, you can make a good living. But um, Davis and being back is, is, I think, probably they asked him to. Because they're going to be so guard um, limited, they got two freshman guards coming in. They're getting this other kid, this Jacoby Neath, that's transferring in from Wake Forest. He seemed like just a guy. Just but... seems, yeah, he's a guy. Wake Forest was pretty shitty. Danny Manning got fired. They were so bad. So I think they need. I think they were worried about their depth. Honestly, um, I guess if you're a Badger fan, your fear is you hope that you know his him taking minutes away from. You know, Chucky Hepburn or Lauren Bowman or one of these young guards you have um, isn't a bad thing. But at the same time, you know, having a dude like Davison around, whether you like him or not, the guy's going to have played like 160 college basketball games when he's all said and done. So if there's anybody that can pass on some experience, it would be him. Well, and I don't think guard is going to be that concerned about taking minutes away because we saw him not be afraid to put – Johnny Davis in when he proved that he could be a, a good player as a freshman and give him more opportunities. Well, right, but I'm saying Davis is not going to come back and play ten minutes. No, he's going to play thirty minutes. No, absolutely. You know? But but it's but I also don't think he's going to you know if, if if one of these guys is you know getting on a roll or he's starting to really come up, I I don't think he's going to be afraid to coaches. Man, they coaches rely on what they know. They always rely on them upperclassmen and what they know. I'm telling you, I played for a guy like that. I had to ex- coach Suter. If all things were being equal, the senior always got the nod, and you respect that. Yes, you respect that. Guy, but guy who's put in the time, put in the work. If the dude below the senior a couple years though is equal to the senior, might be time to play the young guy. Right? You know. Yes. All right. So that's uh, that's college. That's that's pretty much all we got for college hoops. Um, you got a little thing at the bottom here. Which yeah, kind of a kind of a throwback to our old what was top, it? Top five. Top five. Yep. Um, I, I watching the Masters a couple weeks ago, and we won't even get into that because that's old news now. <laughs> but you know, when you watch the Masters, 
There's so many different announcers. They bounce around so much. Because they're bouncing around yes. to different holes, and you get different perspectives, and um, it's it's really pretty fun. I, I really enjoy watching those those um, major golf tournaments. But it kind of got me thinking, like, because one of them was on the Masters, one of my favorites, and it kind of got me thinking, like, who are my favorite announcers that aren't, like, everybody's favorite announcers? You know, like, not Madden or Marv Albert or Euchre. But like, who are some of like the guys that they've been around? They call they and they they call a good game, or you like their personality, or whatever. Who who who's on your list? So I got six dudes. Wow. Okay. And I I kind of threw this at yeah, you. So I'm, I'm I'm running through this in my head you, while you're going to be talking. You don't even like steak, so I'm not sure how much you're going to even contribute Stop to this. It. But don't be jumping on that. So uh, a couple guys, I I really couldn't do baseball. Okay. Because. We, we don't watch a whole we, lot. Well, of we just got our stuff. guys, yeah, you know. Right. Like Brian Anderson's very good, but everybody knows Brian Anderson's who, good. They had one, and and my parents they they they're YouTube TVers. They didn't get the game. They don't get the game on Bally's anymore. So, but I think it was last week they had one of the games on Fox Sports One, and they were able to watch. And I was watching the same game, and I don't remember who the announcers were. I was put to sleep. They were so boring. Some of them, some of the national guys are bad. They, I, they, they were. Something? And I'm like, I wanted my local guys, not because they were a comfort, but because I just thought they were better. Mm-hmm. They were more informative. They were more into the game. These guys sounded like they were sleepwalking through the game. Well, like Schroeder, and he didn't make my list. He's He would be in my honorable mention. Like, dude, Schroeder's been calling Brewer games for 25, 30 years. Right. Like, he's seen it all. Mm-hmm. So I want to hear from those guys. But... All right, get to my list. Okay. Um, the first guy, and this he kind of started this whole thing for me because I heard him on the Masters, and I hadn't heard him for a while because he basically retired, and I think they just kind of trot him out now for the Masters. But a guy I loved listening to on college football games, and I really loved listening to on college basketball games, was Vern Lundquist. Yes. He just had a great voice. He always seemed to... He wasn't necessarily on the marquee game because he was kind of that second tier guy. Like at CBS, he was all, he would be behind a Nance, right? Or or if he was at ESPN, he'd be behind a Musburger or something. But he always showed up at these games where crazy shit happened. <laughs> like he did, he was doing the game on the Leitner shot in the tournament against mm-hmm. Kentucky. He did that crazy ass Alabama Auburn game a couple years ago with that weird ass like Hail Mary one. I think he did the one the other Alabama Auburn game where the, the where on the field, the field goal, goal kick where he returned yep. it. I I just his voice in my mind on some of those just is kind of burned in there. Okay. He's a guy I just always enjoy and then, you know, the famous Tiger Woods uh the the long putt on mm-hmm. uh, I think it was 17 that he does. Um, that one rolls up to it, then does the yes. the arm swing. Have through. you ever seen right. any? You know that's it's a pretty indelible call. So he's one um, one that I, I'm sure you will love and would agree with me, uh, Mister Rose Bowl himself. Oh Wo- yes, Wo- Wo- Nelly Keith Jackson. Yes, Keith Jackson. I mean, Michael can do a great Keith the, Jackson. When the Badgers made that first Rose Bowl, and I think it was him and Fouts. I want to say at the time, but I can't, I can't remember, but him and Fouts worked together for years. Having Keith Jackson call the game. That that was a big deal. And I believe the Badgers had a dude on the team at the time also named Keith Jackson that ran kicks back. (laughs) That was pretty cool. 
But I always like Keith Jackson. I think he's died since. I think he's passed away now, okay. but um, he was always a good one. Um, the other, uh, those are play-by-play guys. The third play-by-play guy, I, I feel like he's kind of got lost over time, but he was great in, in pretty much everything I ever heard him do. He was a great baseball announcer, loved him for basketball, good football announcer, did a shitload of tennis. Dick Enberg. Yes. Yep, he was always good. He was great. Yes. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure he's still living. Obviously, he's, he's retired, but, um, you know, he was – those when we were kids, those late afternoon AFC games, yeah, would always be like yes. Dick Enberg and and uh, Paul Brown, mm-hmm. you know, and it would be like the Bronco Dolphins, you know, <laughs> you'd only get to watch the first half because your mom made you do your homework right. after watching the early game. It was always a Dick Enberg game. Um, early Vital when we were kids was great. Oh. Early Vital, okay. I mean, late eighties, early nineties, he was the man. I mean, now. I pretty much watched those games on mute. I can't. But back in the day when we were kids, he he was great. Um, and then the two guys that, you know, other than my dad and my coaches, the two guys that I probably learned the most basketball from, Bill Raftery and Hubie Brown. Um, I like Raftery. You know, Raftery's, he, he's, he's, got got, a he's definitely got a shtick. Yes. So some people like it, some don't. I get it. I find him to be very entertaining. Um, and I've learned a lot from him. But, I mean, Hubie Brown is a savant. Um, he's been around the NBA for 50 years. You know, he coached the Bucks. was a coach on the Bucks at one time in the 70s. Um, did, like, 20 years in, in in the booth. Came out of the booth. Became the Grizzlies coach in the, in the mid-2000s and won Coach of the Year and took him to the playoffs. I mean, the man's a brilliant basketball mind, and he just always called a great game. Um, I... It's it's a little tough now. It's like sometimes Dick Stockton will do a football game and it's rough. Yes, it is. Like Dick Stockton was very good in his See, day, but it's he, it, it's rough. He would have made he he makes my list. You know, and and like I said, he him Schroeder, um, you know, uh, Doug Collins for basketball, okay. even Acostas. I didn't love him, but he was all right. Okay, um, there's a lot of good ones out there. Not as many now. No. No, there's not. I feel I mean, like Brian Anderson's. I feel like we are we're bold, very lucky. We are blessed with a lot of good local guys that could be doing more and have been doing more. And 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 I think we're lucky that Anderson hasn't made the jump, but he's done NBA, he's done golf, he does baseball, um, he does. I think he does some college basketball on oh, the yeah. side yeah. as well. Yep. So it's like so does Levering now too. Yes. Mm-hmm. So like there, well, and and I remember back in the day when I just really first started, you'd get Laravie on a college basketball game. Well, Laravie used to do the Bulls. See, Laravie I mean, like, used to do the Bulls. Laravie used to do the Bears. Well, I knew that. And now he does the Packers, and yeah, he does but some college ball as well. He's kind of he's he's kind of put that. The, the the college stuff away. Stockton would have been on my list, and I know he's he's basically turned into a clown now because he's not doing anything. I really liked Brent Musburger. He was very good. I liked Musburger a lot. I thought he had a great cadence. 
I had he I thought he had great pacing and a great voice and a way to inflect so that you were really interested in what's going on in the game. And I, and I think along if, if we did this maybe last year or somewhere like when we talk favorite announcers, I really like Sunday Night Baseball with John Miller and, oh, Jim, yeah. and, and, and Joe Morgan. And Joe Morgan, absolutely. You know, I, you know, and I know a lot of people thought that they, they kind of were clowns and, and Morgan really didn't offer much as far as analysis of the game. But I thought Miller was very, very clean and, and very easy to listen to and really was able to get you into the game. Um, so they, I mean, they, they he was just, they would have been on my he list. He was the long, long, long time Giants yes. radio announcer, radio, yes. and he was completely overshadowed by Vince Scully. Right. I mean, that shadow was so large out in California. Yeah, you really kind of thought of Miller as a TV guy when in fact he wasn't. No, he wasn't. It's like Euchre in the 80s when he would come in and do, uh, the, the game of the week for NBC with Costas. Right. Everybody's like, oh, God, Bob Euchre. It's like, no, he does radio, actually, for the Brewers. I remember, like, back in the day when I would fill in for Al, and I would get highlight reels off of one of our satellites off of an actual reel-to-reel machine, and if, you know, we'd get some national highlights for games that I'd have to fast-forward through, and I'm like, I recognize that voice. It'd be John Miller from KF yeah. whatever it was, in San Francisco, calling a Giants game, and I'm like, that—that that was the first like experience that I have. I'm like, wait a minute, he doesn't just do Sunday night baseball; he's the regular Giants radio guy. And that was early on in my career. I mean, I was probably, you know, twenty twenty one when I was hearing that. So that that was big for me. You know, some of the guys right now that are really catching my attention that I'm really able to listen to. I like Jason Benetti. I think he's good. Does the White Sox TV stuff? And he's been paired with um, Walton because because you Jesus. see yeah and and Benetti I think he has um, I think he has cerebral palsy I'm not sure whether that's right or not but he's got some sort of a <clears throat> pardon me some sort of a disability and he was unsure whether he was able to gonna you know be able to live out his dream of doing these things and he is and he's really good at it but he does multiple sports. He does basketball. He does baseball. He's paired with some of these guys where it's like, I don't know how you can handle some of this stuff. The, the guy does a really good job, and he's very smooth. He knows his shit. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed, and he's kind of just come along in the last couple of years. And, and a guy who's jumped in doing baseball, which I think we've, we've recognized, and this is a more in-state thing, I really like LePay. I think he does a real good job. You know, I think he does his research. He's very even keel. He gets a little over the top on Badger, big Badger plays, but that's his job. He's employed by the Badger Network. You know, he's he he's he's a home guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he's very easy to listen to from from a radio, per, you know, radio perspective. And I think he's he does a good job when he fills in. I'm, I'm no disrespect to Craig Kashan. I think he does a, a lot better job than Craig does when he's in the booth with Rock. Oh for, yeah, Craig's not a play by play. Yeah, it's it's. Not not great. It's a little clunky, right? Yeah. So, um, so those are my guys. Just just that I can think off 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 the top of my head. So. Yeah, one of the newer guys I I enjoy is Ian Eagle. Okay, I, I like sure. him. I think he does a good job. Uh, but yeah, I mean, most of these guys are guys we grew up with. You know, like I said, you you hear that voice. I hear Vern Lundquist, and I hear I see the Leitner shot. I see those college football games. I see the Tiger putt. You know, I hear Dickie V. Oh, get a T.O., and I'm oh, seeing God. he's at Duke, and it's a Carolina Duke game. Or, you know, Dick Enberg giving an oh, my, on a uh, John Elway laser and in the AFC title game. It's like you just remember that stuff, and, and we are. We're very lucky. We've got LaPay, 
You've got Larravee, even though I'm not a Packer fan, he's a good he, announcer. He's he good. does a good job. Yes, he does. You know, we've got Uke. Ted Davis is quite good yes, as an NBA is. announcer. Um, you know, Homer, meh, take him or leave him with Marquette. Yeah. I I like Levering. He's good. He's a little dry. Um he he could use a little I when Euchre goes, I hope they get a guy in there with Levering that's a little more witty and 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 quirkier. Yeah. I mean Lane Grindle's fine but um yeah, I can get a little if it's just those two for a game and there's no uke. Eh, you can drag. tell Levering knows what he's talking about. Absolutely. But also I think that unless he's doing the third and the fourth innings or the seventh inning like he normally does on radio, his main purpose there is just to set up Bob. Well, listen. You and I have done enough shitty games where you get into this stuff and you and me are like looking at each other like, what, what are we talking what are we, about? What here? are we going to talk about for the next? You know, and imagine it being a freaking baseball game that takes three and a half hours. But you've got the king of time filler at your oh, disposal. Yeah. Well, in, in, in more of this year, and, and it might just be due to Uke's age, there's been a little more of that during the game where they're both on at the same time talking to each other, which I love. I think that's great. I don't know that the Brewers need to be like the Cubs were when it was Hughes and Sano and it was an actual play-by-play analyst guy. But, yeah, having Euchre in there for just to chirp at while Levering's calling the inning, oh, that's fantastic. See, and, and it's amazing to me to hear guys that aren't Brewers fans that listen to Euchre and there's some like actual frustration and disgust. Well, yeah, but he's 85 years old now. Did, because they want to know what's happening in, happening in the game, and he well, hasn't said the score for 15 minutes. But that's yeah. But you're hopping into the end of the movie. That's you know, if you were listening, you know, throwing magic miracles and true believers and listen to him call the <laughs> the swam deer homers on Easter Sunday. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a little. That's a. That's a fifty-five-year-old euchre, not an eighty-five-year-old right. euchre. So, but and 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 I think you hit it on the head earlier. Is that when you talk about some of those old guys, like you know the Madden and the Summerall, you could tell when these guys started to decline, mm-hmm. and they kept bringing them out. Like Stockton's one of those guys that made my list, where it's like you would watch the game and then you'd compare what he says to what's happening, and you'd be like. Yeah, Dick, you, you, wrong, you, wrong numbers, wrong number, wrong name. Didn't, there's no Down flag on the play. Wrong, right. <laughs> stuff is like, okay, <laughs> well, you can tell things are starting to slip a little bit. And, and, and I I would be remiss, and we'll, we'll go on this because we're getting okay. long here, but I would be remiss if we didn't throw in Paschke and McLaughlin and now Marcus Johnson. I've had NBA League Pass. I've listened to some of the other <laughs> local broadcasts. Ugh. Bad. Yeah. I mean, the Knicks are great. They got Mike Breen and they got Clyde Frazier, who's the best. But some of these are like they're total homers or they're just bad. So, yeah, all around Wisconsin sports fans, we're, we're pretty lucky with, with the guys that we got calling the games. And I and I know you don't do hockey, but I occasionally turn on a Blackhawks game. And, and there's only one reason really why I do it. Because the guy who's usually calling it sometimes for when it's national is Doc Emmerich. Mm-hmm. He's, he's the best. He's a very, very good announcer. A lot of people say he's the best announcer, period. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, a lot of people know him. A lot of people like him. A lot of people respect him. I have no interest in hockey. I'll watch if it's like, you know, the Blackhawks in the, in the playoffs or a Stanley Cup or whatever. But if I turn it on and he's doing the game, I'll usually stay a little bit longer than I normally would. If, if you'd sit there and listen to him call a Pinewood Derby right. or, or, or listen to him call a mile race, a high school track meet, like... Oh, that's a good announcement. Yes, absolutely. 
All right, we covered a lot of ground. We're closing on 90 minutes. We took a, a week off. We'll see if we can be back next week. Baseball starts next week. I have a game next Tuesday, so I don't know whether we're going to be when we're going to yeah, be doing this. I still got football, ear. so um, it's going to be weird. High school football and high school baseball are now going to intersect for me starting next week. Um, it's going to be very odd, but that's just the way kind of the year is going. I'm I'm really excited for summer and to get a couple of month break. It's weird we're going to be doing football again in probably like two months. Yeah, but. That's just the way it is. So, all right. Thank you for listening, downloading, subscribing. Uh, if you haven't done uh, the the ladder on the subscription, please do it. And we always say, please tell your friends. That would be appreciated. So until whenever, I'm Josh. I'm Dan. And we'll talk to you down the line. Have a happy 420. Go Bucks. Go Brewers.